uh, basically, what happened was, um, me and my wife uh, came into contact with uh, someone we haven't seen in years. A woman of God we haven't seen in years. And, um, and my testimony is just to show how your life can touch people in ways that you never would have imagined. Uh, uh, this woman that's seen me and my wife, we, we, we bumped into her. Actually, we haven't seen her in years and we bumped into her. Excuse me. And she was, um, she was saying, you know, how she was going through a lot. And she thanked God for, uh, meeting us and seeing us again because she was just talking about us, uh, the prior day. With someone else, with one, someone else who knew us or whatnot, they know our walk, they know our ministry. She was, she was saying how how uh, she would love to see us again, and the next day she bumped into us, which was supernatural. Um, she also started to uh, mention certain things she was going through and how she wanted us to pray for her and and she wants to get connected and things like that. But one thing that stood out to me about all what she said was she said that um, she, out of all the people she knew and seen that were believers and like say that, you know, they serve God and things like that. She said that we our, our walk with God impacted her the most. And. She can see, you know, she, she loved our marriage. She loved our ministry. She was just like, you know, we're so real and and things like that. And she said that she was trying to actually uh, stop from crying because uh, she, she was uh, at the place where she really needed to hear from God and really needed some encouragement. And God used us to encourage her. Um, he used us to remind her. About how much he loves her. And how he has a plan for her life and things like that. And um, here it is, you know, there were certain things that me and my wife was dealing with and, and going through and talking about or whatnot. And, you know, we always remain in a mode of praise no matter what state uh, that or situation we may, we may be dealing with, you know, or whatnot. But God used this woman... To encourage us so greatly, to 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 just remind us that that you know when you're out here in the battlefield and you're doing God's will and 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 you're changing lives, you know the devil can hit you with blows. He can attack you, and you know we have experienced that. The amount of warfare we've been experiencing re recently, you know what I'm saying how the enemy, um, you know, uh, with spiritual warfare and things like that with all these different things, how it'll, it would try to distract you. And um, and that's what happened. This woman, you know, she so encouraged us. She has no idea how much she encouraged us. She thought, she she actually was like, oh man, you know, I'm glad that I met you guys. And um, and she, she got back connected, reconnected with us. But um, I wanted to highlight that because um, she... She was on the verge of really losing her, her, her mind. And there was a lot of things going on with her. And she, um, you know, she, she, it was just a breath of fresh air and a lifesaver for her. 
And I wanted to testify about that because you never know how who your life affects. You never know how your walk with God and what you're doing for God and how you're living for God affects people. And it was evident because I she she said I'll never forget you guys, you know, and how and, and your words. She was even mentioning things that that we said to her or or whatnot. How her interaction with us. Uh, from years ago that we forgot about. And I found it to be so, so powerful. What you do for Christ is the only thing that lasts. So I want to encourage those out there that, you know, if there's any, if there's any, if you're walking with God, don't think that your walk with God is insignificant. Don't think that, that uh, you don't matter. No, you have to remain focused because someone's watching you. You may not know it, but someone's watching you. So I want to testify about that before we uh, get into the message. Mm -hmm. All right, and I'm going to let my wife. Um, okay, you. who has a testimony? Me. Okay, okay. Uh, just just uh, st uh, state, also state your name because we are... We are live, so um, so others can know you, you know your testimony. So, um, so go ahead. I I I let you want to piggyback. Off? Okay, I I let Sophia go ahead. Go ahead, Sophie. Um, well, your testimony kind of um touched on what I was So I called and they was like, hey, do you receive the check? It's not a fake. 
you know, you received it because of um, some, uh, some like, they did business, like, like fake business or some fake news or whatever, but there was half of them people. And they would say, well, because they called you for their money, and I was like, uh-uh, all y'all got And so I said, okay, let me just take a meet. Let me put it in the bank. And I was like, okay, I put it in the bank. I was like, oof, I hope they don't. I hope they don't arrest me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it came clear. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> so, you know, at this time, this time of, um, at this point in my life, I have to, like, you know, pay some certain things back, and that really, it really helped me, helped me tremendously. Amen. Amen. And, my God, let's just give God a praise for that. For that powerful miracle, you know, um, and for those that's even listening, I want to just highlight something as well. And this is what we preach, that when you when you sow into the anointing, the Bible says that you will receive pressed down, shaken together and one and over. And one thing I know about uh, uh, Sophia, for all those even that listens, and this is just a testimony for even those that hear this, that. When you, you know, Sophie is a big, big giver. She's a, I mean, you know, God has really, she's a give with a cheerful heart. And I know that she has sown into the anointing financially, especially even in this ministry and things like that. And just, it, not just financially, but also her life and things like that. And what happens is that is a kingdom principle for all God's people. Mm-hmm. When you sow into an anointing or you put your finances into a ministry an anointed ministry where the word of the lord is being preached and is saving and transforming lives in this ministry we evangelize in this ministry we also uh 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 uh, christians who are being persecuted or killed for the gospel we help their families uh it helps us to continue so we can continue to preach the gospel when you sow into that anointing the bible says that that if you sow in if you uh, uh bless a prophet in the name of a prophet you'll receive the prophet's reward the most powerful thing that i've seen one of the powerful things that i've seen when god will use us in this ministry, the prophesy to people and their fi- even their finances begin to change. And it's not about us. It's that that word has the power to bring a financial miracle. And what people don't realize is that there's so many people who are giving up on God and doing it their own way. And, they, and, 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 and the situation remains the same instead of trusting God. And letting God give you a word that can that can attack your financial situation and that will release a miracle for you. That that test that powerful testimony or whatnot, here it is. We prophesy and we declare that even in this ministry, we constantly talk about it. 
checks in the mail. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That don't be surprised when you're following after God and you're in a financial situation or some of us, you may need, you may need a financial breakthrough. God says, I can send you a check in the mail that you don't even know nothing about. He's God. Some of us got student student debt, or some of us you got debt, or some of us you 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 got situations going on, and you don't realize that God is a God where He can send you a check in the mail because you were obedient to Him in sowing. And that's a principle, that's a spiritual principle. When you sow financially into the kingdom of God. God himself will rebuke the devourer for your sake. According to Malachi chapter 3. That means that thing that's devouring your finances. God says he'll protect you from it. <laughs> so, so I wanted to just highlight that as a principle. Because it's, because it's not about the, the, the money. I'm not really paying attention to the money. I'm looking at, look how powerful God's word is that came to pass that released a supernatural check in the mail. So I, I, I'm, my wife, I know she want to pick back on that. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Let the Lord Jesus. just have his way. Thank you, Father. We thank you. The year, hallelujah, <laughs> to recover Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. That is just a, a, that word that just didn't come out of my ear. Hallelujah. That word came from the throne room of heaven. And, and, and if you are a part of fire round ministries and you see your brothers and sisters that were on fire the beginning of last year and somehow they stopped coming somehow they went and did their own thing somehow the enemy has deceived them somehow they went back into religion you need to pray for them you need to call to the heavens for them you need to tell them the truth because god is on the move what is it to god your financial situation. What is it to God? Your hurt, your pain. What is it to God? The things that you pray about constantly. $7,000 is nothing to him. But he did it anyway. Because I can even testify that Sophia is faithful to God. No, she isn't perfect, but I know she is faithful to God. And that is a message for all those who are even listening online that even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of your own doubts, your own situation that you're going through. If you continue to hold on to God, you continue to stay faithful. Hallelujah. The Lord will reward you for what you do for his kingdom. We just was talking about how we went on out the day before Valentine's Day and we just started to just say, you know what, we're going to forget about all our problems. We're going to forget about everything that we we feel and what we think and what's going on with life. And we're going to go out and we're going to share the love of Christ. I said, and I looked over to her and Julian, Sophia and Julian, I said, I know if this, I say, we got, this is how we get God's attention. <laughs> Amen. So I know that I know that I know, and I've said it again and I said boldly. Sometimes we love to hear, we like to say, oh, that's a true prophet. <laughs> when the blessing 
it's, it's being released through the, the prophet's word. But when God is chastening you, when God is correcting you, when God is calling you out on your stuff, we say, oh, I know that's not God. <laughs> but God wants to tell you that he's the God of blessing and he's also the God of spanking. Just equally so. And if you do, and if you do, if you do right by him, he will bless you. But if you start acting cray cray, he'll be the same father that spank you. So I want to share that with you. I know that I know that I know that I know there will be more testimonies coming through. And what I love about a testimony, see, first God gives the prophetic word. Hallelujah. He tells you what he's going to do before it even starts. He tells you the ending before the beginning. And if you believe, hallelujah, then he gives you the instruction how the word is going to come to pass. It amazes me how a lot of people of God, they hear the word, they rejoice and they, you know, they rejoice and then they start going on and doing their own thing. No, the way that you bring God's word, God will bring his word to pass in your life. It's when you receive the promise and the plan with the promise. So I can testify to this and I, I testify with it boldly. This young lady not only believes in the promises of God, right? But she, she accepts the plans of God. And I want to say that to, to everyone out there that don't be so quick to say, I, I received the promise when you're not willing to be obedient, obedient enough to receive the plan. So I thank God. I'm just waiting for more testimonies. Hallelujah. And I just wanted to add just a few things before we get started with the word. The, the Lord has already been preaching. I hope that you are taking notes and you're being encouraged and you know that God is speaking this morning, that we don't play games with God and God's word is being preached at this ministry. And I do invite, I do pray that you continue to go out and evangelize even when no one's looking and you invite them and you give other people, lost people, the opportunity to be blessed like you are. So, um, one thing I would love to add is about this young lady who just met us out of nowhere. I mean, even though she thought she was coming to us <laughs> for that help, because that's what she real, that's what she's used to her testifying about how we impacted her life. Um, it blessed us and it shows that we're going to, we're in the right direction, going the right direction. God has maybe have called us to do, to be a little unorthodox, or maybe have caused us to be do a, do it a little differently, but we're in the right direction, and we thank God for every lives every life that we have touched, and continue to keep the young lady in prayer, um, and that's it. That's just my that's just part of what I wanted to say. Thank you. Amen. And we thank God. So let's go ahead and get right into the word this morning and uh it lines up actually with um with what we're about to talk about today the testimonies powerful testimonies um this morning of what the lord has done and i want to highlight um this message today and what we're talking about the title of this message is called keeping your focus 
And it's so important to keep your focus. Uh, that's the title of the message today. Uh, I, wrote the, I wrote this down. Uh, it says, walking with God will require being focused on the word and plan of God for your life. If you want to be able to keep focus, understand that walking with God will require being focused on his word which means what he's saying to you and the plan of God for your life in what he's showing you about your life, the direction he's leading you into. See, God is saying something to everyone and he's leading every single person in the plan that he has for their lives. So in order for you to walk with God, you got to understand that you have to remain focused. You got to remain focused. You got to keep your eyes on what he's saying. You got to keep your eyes on what he's doing. And here's another thing I wrote down. It's not easy to remain focused. Why? Because we live in a world of distractions, people, and things that try to, uh, 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 things that try to pull our attention. So it's not easy to remain focused. So we, because we, we live in a world with distractions, people around us, things around us that try to pull us in those directions. So we're going to read from Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 12. And we're going to see that even Jesus Christ himself had to remain focused. And it wasn't an easy thing for Jesus to remain focused. That wasn't easy. Uh, and we're going to see... How this looked in Mark chapter 6, verses 1, verses 1 through, through 12. All right. All right, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. We're going to go ahead and, and read it. And we're going to go through this here. Now remember, Jesus had to confront, he had to confront it, he had to confront uh, uh, these issues that he had to deal with, which was distractions, people and things, and he had to keep his focus. So let's see what, be, what happened to him in, um, in, this, in this passage. We're going to go to Mark chapter 6. Verses 1 through 12. Alright, you got it there? Okay. Then Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? 
that much mighty works are performed by his hands. Now, if you notice, let me tell you what's going on. First off, Jesus Christ, he was accepted and people were celebrating him and and things like that. And he was out preaching and doing miracles and all that, right? But Jesus, he was he was from Nazareth, a city where a lot of people knew him growing up or whatnot. And he went back to his hometown. And he brought his followers with him, those who believed in his ministry, who believed in what God was doing in his life. He went back to um, Nazareth and the people there, they were like, oh, man, you know, you, you, you do, we heard great things about you. Uh, and, and, and the wisdom and all that stuff. Hey, why don't you do it here? You know, show us and prove to us. Here, who you say that you are. So Jesus, Jesus Christ, he had to confront these issues. He had to confront family, people who knew him, people who were familiar with him and things like that. He had to confront the issues and situations that blocked him from who God had called him to be. So you'll notice that in your own walk. A part of your walk and being focused, right? You're going to have to learn that you're going to need to confront issues and situations that block you from who God has called you to be. Some of us, God is calling you to be bold, but it's hard for you because of your family or because of friends or because of certain situations. And so you're going to have to confront these issues. You're going to have to confront issues that's stopping you from being focused. You know, many of us out there today, you know, you want to walk with God. You love God. You want to serve God. But why is it hard for you? Why is it hard for you to stay focused on what God is saying to you? Why is it hard for you to walk in the plans of God that God has for your life? You're asking these questions. Why, Lord, is it hard for me? And God is saying to you today that it's because you don't want to confront these issues. You don't want to confront the issues that, that, that's stopping you from keeping focus, which is, some of us, it's your family. It's the people around you. It's certain distractions. Maybe it's, for, you know, many of us have different things going on, but like Jesus, maybe it's connected to your past. You know, another thing that happened here, I wrote this down, is that, Things from your past will try to pull you back to who you used to be. Think about this. Jesus Christ, he grew up with these people. Some of them, you know, they probably played football if they had football back then, you know. They probably playing, you know, hopscotch if they had that back then, you know. They, and all these different things. Why? Because Nazareth was a place that he grew up. It was a place where his, his people knew him. You know, they, they know him from a little boy. They seen him as a teenager. And here it is. He's coming back doing these awesome things that they never seen before. And they're like proof to us that you're really who you say you are. Do what we heard of you in our city. And they said it with a motive of unbelief because they didn't believe it. They didn't believe what he was saying. They didn't believe what he preached. They didn't believe what he was saying to them, that 
the kingdom of heaven has come near them. That God had chosen Jesus as the savior of the world. That he was born of a virgin birth and came to this earth to save mankind. And he was no longer being connected to being the son of Mary. He was no longer being connected to the brother of, of, of uh, his brothers. He was now stepping into who he was before time began. And so they were trying to pull him back to his past. They were trying to pull him to who they knew him to be. Have you ever experienced that too? That here it is, you're trying to follow after God. You're trying to walk in the plans of God for your life. You're trying to be bold. You're trying to, you're trying to accomplish things. There's some of us, God is calling you to entrepreneurship. God is calling you to, to, to ministry. God is calling you to, 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 to business or the marketplace or, 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 or for, to nonprofits or whatever God is calling you to. Praise and worship leader. Whatever, whatever the Lord is calling you, God is calling you to something that's out of your element. And there's something that keeps blocking you that's connected to your past that's stopping you from being focused. These are the things you got to confront. And this is what Jesus confronted. You know, uh, the thing is, I, I, here's another point from even from what we read, that the refusal of people in accepting what God is doing or has done in your life. You know, let's read on a little bit further so we can see how this look. I'll go ahead and read a little bit. Verse 3, it says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joas, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. See, they were saying, hey, do we, we know his family. We know his whole family. How come they don't have this wisdom that he's so talking about? Why? What makes him so special? Now he's saying that he's the son of God? You know, at that time, no one could be equal with God. At that time, the Jews at that time didn't even believe that you can be a child of God. Matter of fact, you only were known as God's creation. And then you needed to serve him. But here it is, Jesus is coming on the scene and saying that he's the son of God. They were like, who does this man think he is? We know his mother. Maybe let's go talk to his mother. Do you know your son has lost his mind? He's crazy. He's saying that he's the son of God. See, have you ever felt like that? The refusal of people to accept what God is doing in your life. The refusal of people... To accept what God has done in your life. Some of us, some people haven't seen you in years. Or they, will, they, they or some people that you will meet, they'll meet you and say, Oh, you're not the same person I used to know. I don't accept this new person that you are. And they'll ridicule you. Well, I'll tell you what, you better remain focused. Because the same way Jesus had to confront these people and these type of issues, you're going to have to confront it. What do you think following God is all about? See, a lot of people, you know, they want to follow God in the good times. They want to follow God when God is blessing them. 
They want to follow God when, 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 just like we heard the testimony this morning, this morning, you know, and many people want that to happen to them. They'll say, you know, God, send me checks in the mail. I will follow you, Lord, if you send some checks in the mail. And they want to serve God when everything is going good. You know, and here's the thing. God is a good God. I mean, the Lord, the Bible says that, you know, to, 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 to bless the Lord who, 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 who loads you with benefits. Do you know these benefits to serving God? It's true. These benefits to serving the Lord. These ben- Matter of fact, the benefit of not worrying about if you have HIV AIDS or an STD from, from, from uh, uh, sticking your private part where it shouldn't be. <laughs> you know, or these benefits to serving God when you don't have to worry about a, a drug addiction anymore because Je- Jesus Christ has set you free and now you're at peace because you're satisfied with just him. You don't have to worry about uh, 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 trying to provide on your own when you lose your job. Why? Because you serve a God that says I'll provide all your needs according to his riches and his glory. Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. So there's many scriptures in the word of God that proves that there's benefits to serving God. But here's the thing. What if someone only wants a relationship with you when everything is going good? How would you feel about that? How would you feel about someone who you have a relationship with or married to that the only time they're down for you is when things are going good? Life can send some things at you. That you're not prepared for. And you need people who would support you in those rough times. And that's how God feels. God is like, hey, don't leave me when things are going rough. Don't leave me when things get a little rough for you and you kind of lose your focus. God has feelings too. So the thing is, you got to deal with this fact that people will not accept what God is doing in your life. They won't accept who God is creating you to be. If God is creating you to be bold, you know what they'll say? They'll say, oh, well, you know, you changed. Well, why did you like me when I was feeling low about myself? How did you see me? How did you really feel about me? What was your perception of me now that God has changed me? So So a lot of us... When people show you who they really are, I heard this saying, believe them when they show you who they are. So Jesus, he, had, he saw who these people really were. And here's another point, that they seen the glory of God on Jesus' life, which, you know, they heard about. They heard the miracles and they heard about, but they chose to ignore it because their motives were evil. You know what they said? I'm, I guarantee, you know, some there was a saying at Nazareth at that time. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Imagine you being born and raised somewhere and they look at you a certain way because of where you were born and raised. Imagine that. Well, that's what Jesus Christ went through. He would go to certain places and you know what they'll say about him? They'll say, uh, 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 can any, how can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's kind of like what people go through when they live in a poor community or the ghettos today, especially in America. You know, I mean, white, black, Hispanic, it doesn't matter your color. You have white Hispanics. 
I mean, you have white, black, uh, 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 Asian people who are raised in poverty. And when they go certain places, you know what they say? Oh, look at this person. Look how raggedy they dress. I know they're from this part of the city. You know, or they, when they go to maybe an expensive restaurant or something like that, people look at them a certain way. We live in a world where people judge you based on where you came from. And that's what happened with Jesus. Everywhere he went, they seemed to say the same thing. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? There's one place that he went where, they, where he was declaring himself as a prophet. And the people was like, how can any prophet come out of Nazareth? He had a rough time. He really did. So he had to remain focused. So what was the point of that truth? Is that people will see the glory of God in your life and what God is doing. But do you know they'll choose to ignore it because they have evil hearts toward you or toward God? It may not even be directed towards you personally. It may be directed toward the God that you serve. Some people are Jesus haters. You know, they got this saying, uh, you know, oh, you being a hater. Well, Jesus Christ is up in heaven. He's saying, hey, everybody hate me. <laughs> you know, he said, I got some haters in this world. I got some haters out there. But you know what Christ does? He, he empowers us to love our haters. He empowers us to pray for those that actually hate us. Why? Because he... When you understand that you're not fighting people, you're fighting the devil and, and evil in this world. You realize that you got to remain focused. So let me, let's see Jesus Christ's response at all this rejection he experienced in, in just a short amount of time. Let's see what was his response at these people. We're going to read verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. My goodness. You know, that's a powerful thing. Imagine this. Imagine God is doing some amazing things in your life. He's doing miracles in your life. Matter of fact, you have changed into a brand new person and you start finding out that people constantly who, who knew you or you're from your past are disrespecting you. Matter of fact, they don't want to accept what God is doing and who you have become. Well, that's what Jesus Christ is saying here. He's saying that if you're going to be someone that God is going to use, you got to understand this truth. That people in your own family or your own household may be against you. Jesus Christ, he was a prophet. He wasn't just the son of God. He was also, he functioned as a prophet. And he was saying that in his own, a prophet is only without honor. Which means they don't respect him only in his own Household, you know, I've seen that myself. You know, I've I also function as a prophet, right? And I've seen going to places where people, you know, I understand this. God has placed in myself and my wife's life the the the, the gift for miracles. I mean, I mean, powerful gifts for miracles here. 
God has placed in myself and my wife's life the, the, the authority where we can literally speak something, speak financial miracles, and it would happen. Or speak a, a healing for those who are sick and they'll get up out their sick bed. Or, for example, those who are in tough financial situations or debt and we would speak and prophesy debt cancellation and that person will receive miracles but you know what I've seen I have seen those same individuals when God would use me to talk to them or my wife to talk to them now they want nothing to do with us in other words they wanted the miracle but they didn't want to go deeper into the kingdom. They didn't want to go deeper with God. And it was reflected in their dishonor toward us. I'll never forget one time with my wife. Something, you know, I've seen where uh, uh, she would pour out with certain young ladies. I mean, for, for, for like for years. And one, one, particular, one particular person I've seen dragged her name. And not just her name, but... People we know dragged our name for years. Called us fake, phony. And we were like, hey, we didn't do nothing to you. <laughs> see, see, what happens is, what's going on? See, people will love you as a man or woman or God or as a prophet or whatever. They'll love you when it's benefiting them. You got to be careful for those type of relationships. You got to be careful with those type of situations because that will stop you from remaining focused. Do you know people will love you only based on how much they can control you? But I guarantee you, stop letting them control you. Stop letting them uh, 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 um, have their way in your life. And you taking their advice like how they want you to take it or do what they want you. What, what, stop doing what they want you to do. And start following what God is telling you to do. And look how quickly they switch on you. What is taking place? Well, it may be even those in your own house. So some people. Some people. Love to be. To, to control. What God is doing in your life. Some people. Uh, you know, you're different, different types of people. But the thing is. Understand something. You're not the only one who experienced this. Jesus, he experienced, imagine the pain that he felt. He's like, you know what? Let me go back to the people who knew me. I mean, I grew up with these people. I know they would love me. I know they will accept me. But then you go back and, and imagine the level of disappointment that Jesus felt. Imagine the level of, of how he felt when his, his people that he knew he grew up with. Said that, man, you are fake and a phony. What do you mean that you are the son of God? What do you mean that you're a prophet? We, re we reject you, Jesus. Imagine how he felt. I guarantee he didn't feel good. I guarantee he kind of cried inside and said, man, I, got, I, I, I know certain people that I know that I grew up for years. They're sick right now and I can't even heal them. Matter of fact, in verse 5, let me show you what it says. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he, verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. See, 
we can see that. See, he wanted to do miracles. He wanted to show his power. Have, do you know in God, God, a part of God's character is that he wants to do many miracles in our lives and he wants to show out in our lives. But do you know that some of us are too connected to our past? Some of us, you're not really accepting God's plan for your life. Some of us, your unbelief is stopping you. You don't believe who God is calling you to be. And God is saying, that's why I can't do any miracles in your life. And God, you know, one thing that God is amazed, there's a few things that God is amazed about. Here's one of the things that the Lord is amazed about, but it's not positive. The Bible says he marveled. That means he was amazed because of their unbelief. Do you want God, you know what God will be amazed with you about? It's not just your faith toward him. God will be amazed at you when you've refused to believe him. In other words, he'll sit in heaven and say, I can't believe this. I can't. I mean, I'm in shock here. That's what God, that's what God is saying. You know, so, so, so the thing is, and I want to highlight this again, is that you got to be able to confront these issues of distraction, people, things that try to pull your attention. Because these things are threatening your relationship with God. See, Jesus Christ, he had the power to heal. Matter of fact, he healed a couple of people. But imagine how he felt that he couldn't really do a whole lot of miracles. Because of their unbelief. And do you know what happened? He left them right there. Sometimes you got to leave people where they're at. You got to leave certain people right where they are. Or they'll drag you in the mess that they're in. And, I, and, and, here's a, you know, and, and the thing about it is, th is this, that when I say mess they're in, some people have lived under the spirit of poverty for years. Some people have lived, some families have lived in certain sins for years. For example, in some households, there's a lot of uh, drug addiction or cigarette smoking or, 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 or adultery or divorce. And they have lived in it for years. And here it is, you know, you come along, you get saved, you want to change the mode and change the generational curse in your, in your household. But what happens? They don't believe in your Jesus and they want you to stay in the very curses that's on them. See, they want you to stay in that mode of unbelief. Why? So Jesus won't do many miracles in your life. Jesus, he's already not doing many miracles in their lives because of their unbelief. And because of, 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 the, uh, because of how, they, how they're living and, and, and the mindset they have. But they want to drag you into it. Sometimes it could be co-workers. Sometimes it can be... It can, I mean, it can be from many different places, but you got to run from the things that's chasing you. You got to remain focused and it can be very, very hard. Imagine the pressure that was on Jesus. The pressure of your, your whole past trying to hold you back. All the, the whole city, the whole village trying to hold you back. The words of people trying to discredit who God has made you to be. 
the words and and the daggers of what people say and how it, it, it I mean he came saying he was a prophet but they say you not no prophet you Mary's boy we reject you Jesus imagine how he felt the embarrassment that he felt when his followers was around him seeing these people's reaction you know Peter will probably say hey Jesus ain't ain't you Ain't you, ain't you from this place? You know, Jesus, I mean, this is your people. Like, how is it that we who are strangers that has become your followers, we, we accept you more than your own people, your own family. And so when you, you got to realize sometimes the acceptance that you've been looking for may come from the very house of God. You know, I've met, I've met uh, uh, different people that would say say things like, and I've seen this in my own life, where people people will accept you more than those who are familiar with you. Other people who are strangers, or even in the house of God, you know, David experienced that and said, uh, 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 that when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord would take me in. In other words, he realized that. Even those who are familiar with him, that God will cause his people to 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 to, to uh, accept him and to and to bring him into his purpose and destiny. Let's read. Let's read on a little further. In uh, verse seven, where it says Jesus sends out the twelve apostles. Verse 7 through through 12. And we'll see what happened with the disciples when they accepted who Jesus Christ was. Look what happened with them. Because he remained focused. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Also, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, will you depart from there shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them assuredly i say to you it is it will be more tolerable for sodom and gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city so they went out and preached that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them So we see that because Jesus remained focused, he was able to affect other people's lives and walk into the plans of God for the, his life and for their lives. So you'll notice that as you walk with God and remain focused, you'll start affecting others. But you can't stay stuck in the distractions of yesterday and in the past or the people. 
You got to remain focused because someone's waiting on you. You know, another person in the word of God that was affected by Jesus Christ remaining focused was someone named Paul. Paul, he used to kill Christians. Matter of fact, he was the top of the religious order at that time. He was on the top of it. He was a Pharisee. Some, they knew him as an expert in the law. And he was so passionate about the way he lived that he was killing Christians. Killing the followers of Jesus. And what happened is that he got saved, right? And his past was haunting him. And it kept running. And he kept having it, you know, deal with his past and, 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 and what was blocking his future. And he had something to say about this, which we're going to read. And we're going to see how he had to remain focused because of the guilt of yesterday and the opinions of others from his yesterday. You know, imagine doing a lot of bad things in your life and you having to forget about it. And he had to even eventually change his name. His name was Saul. But he had to change his name to Paul because his past was haunting him so bad that he had to change his name. Some of us out there, people know you as certain names. They probably call you a nickname based on the past that you had. Well, look here. You need to change it. You need to get your name changed. And I'm not talking about according to law. I'm talking about according to your identity. You shouldn't let people call you those Old names anymore. You know, some people have been called, you know, firecracker because they were known to get in a lot of fights. Hey, what's going on, firecracker? You know, if they're calling you that, you need to stop them and tell them, hey, I'm no longer that person. Please don't call me firecracker anymore. Call me, hey, man or woman of God. Why? Because if you continue to accept the identity of your yesterday, it's going to be hard for you to continue to walk in the plans of God for your tomorrow. Why? Because you haven't fully separated yourself from your yesterday. You got to cut it. You got to cut off the connection of your past. And here's the thing. If they want to continue to call you that, well, that shows that that's a person you don't want to associate yourself with. Why? Because they are not respecting your standards. They're not respecting what God has done in your life. And you need to be like Jesus. You need to leave Nazareth, where you've been brought up, which you're familiar with, and move on to affecting others. Affecting other people's lives. You can't stay there. So Philippians chapter 3 Verses 1 through 16, we'll just read the whole thing and I'll close here. And we'll see how Paul felt about his past and about moving forward. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of 
mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, I, I if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So if you notice here, Paul was pretty much saying that you guys... Beware of these people. Beware of the people that I came from. In other words, the people who who would get circumcised on the eighth day because he was a religious guy. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a Pharisee concerning zeal and him being passionate. He was a persecutor of the church. He would kill Christians concerning the law. Obeying the law and being a religious guy, he was a Pharisee, which was a position in the religious order. It was a high, one of the highest positions, being a Pharisee. And he's, he was pretty much going down the list and saying, you guys, I was, I was no joke. I was a very religious guy and respected in the religious community. Matter of fact, I was more than just a Hebrew or a Jew. I was the Jew of Jews. I mean, I had a whole lot of reason to, to, to be boastful and prideful in who I was. And I was, and Paul was saying, I was not ashamed to, to, to kill a Christian, to kill a so-called follower of Jesus. He was pretty much saying, I felt like Jesus Christ and his followers were messing up Israel, like how Jesus did. We need to get rid of these people. We need to throw them out with the trash. That's how Paul felt about them. This is how Paul, this is the amount of guilt that Paul had on his life. Have you ever been there? Where you felt like, when you think about the things that you used to do. Some of us, you've, you used to do things in your sin. Whether it was sexually, whether it's through your mouth, uh, uh, you're cursing, you're lying, you're cheating, you're, 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 you're living without God. Those are things that you, in the sight of God, should be ashamed of. Not to boast about. Not to be prideful about. Because Paul, he was shamed. He was trying to explain to the church through this letter that, hey, I was a, I'm ashamed to say that I killed Christians. I'm ashamed to say that I was so religious but so blind. I'm ashamed. And the thing is, the things from your past, your shame of your past is one of the things that can block you from really accepting what God is doing in your life or what God is saying. The thing is, in order for you to keep focused, you got to recognize that you have a problem, that you got a distraction in your life, that you got something from your past probably chasing after you. You got to recognize the issue. It may be the fact that you're not really ashamed of what you used to do. Let me tell you something. You need to be ashamed of what you used to do. Why? Because 
death, those things, and that thing can lead you to hell. The Bible says that God is going to judge all the secret things. And you're going to be ashamed on judgment day of all the things that you used to do. Why? Because those things in the sight of God can lead you to hell. And oh, what a terrifying day it will be for people who have not accepted the Lord. You see all the people in the graves? Whatever they did in their lives, whatever secrets they kept, imagine God has it on the big screen. And He's going to judge them by it. Imagine how terrified they're going to be when God brings to attention that, hey, you, you cheated on your wife or your husband. And now I can't accept you into heaven because no adulterer can be in my kingdom. And he says to them, depart from me. I never knew you. You know, our society likes to glamorize and likes to make things look fun that's sinful in the eyes of God. You know, it's a shame. But the thing is, our society don't have no hell or heaven to put you in. Our society, our nation can't save you from hell. And many people, they want to be happy and joyful and prideful over the things they should be ashamed about. And that's how Paul felt. Paul was ashamed to know that, guys, I'm having a trouble with even, I've had trouble with even staying focused because of my past. And I'm, and I'm trying to let y'all know who I used to be so you can see that I'm trying to move forward here. Let me show you. Let me give you proof he was trying to move forward. Verse 7. But whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, which means trash, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having, my, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know what Paul said? Paul said, y'all, I gained so much in this life. I gained so much as a religious freak. <laughs> you know, just to put it, you know. Just put it in layman's terms, you know, I was, I mean, I was really religious. I mean, I was really, people loved me. I mean, I was the top of my game. But it was all worth trash to me. Why? Because I need to know my God. It didn't help me to know my God, my Lord, my Savior. And I'm moving on so I can, so I can know my Savior. So I can be rose, so I can overcome death. Paul was saying, I, I don't want to die and be forever separated from God. I want to be resurrected again. I want to come to life again. You know what the good news is? You don't have to worry about dying. Why? Because even though you may die, 
If you know Christ, the Bible says he's going to bring you back to life so you can live with him forever. Where you can see your mom, your dad, your sister, brother, whoever passed on again. That's the awesome thing about the gospel. Let me go on a little, a little further here and I close. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. But I press on to make it my own. Because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. Made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and starting, staring forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let, in Christ Jesus, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in, in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So, and I'll go ahead and, and, and just close out right here. That the Bible says that. It says in verse 16. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. See, the thing is. Paul had to get to a place where he had to forget the past so he can remain focused. And in order for you to move forward in your spiritual walk, in your spiritual life, you got to learn this principle as well. Jesus Christ, he dealt with it. Paul, he dealt with it. But guess what? They both move forward. And when you move forward in your life, God would do amazing miracles in your life and lead you into his plans for your life.